0: Thy God, for these nations which thou hast, po- these nations which thou shalt possess, hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. Let's pray, Father. We thank you, Lord. You really do save us from ourselves. And Father, if <coughs> if it weren't for you, Father, we would probably uh, be involved in all the. Uh, things that we see around us. Father, be consumed in it and be overtaken by it. Lord, I thank you, Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through faith, Father, you've delivered us from those things. Lord, help us not to look back and somehow in our minds and hearts uh, pine over the fact that we can't be like the world. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, dear God you've given us in your word the the right standard and the right mind, the right heart. Lord, deliver us from the temptation that so often is affected by those that are involved in the worldly behavior. pray you bless our time in your word. Give us wisdom, Father, as we look over these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Power of a Changed Life, I hope you're excited about it. I hope you're looking down the road. I hope you're looking down there. I I said, I wonder what God's going to change next in my life. What what, what God's going to open my eyes to see. A changed life not only means that it's changed for your good, but it's changed in a way that helps you to be separated. You think about it. God wants us to be different. He said, if we're different enough, then we actually, it's a, a kind of a wall of protection. That, that, that people are, have a tendency to kind of shy away from you, and you have a tendency to shy away from them in a, in a right in a right way. Now when you're going out and evangelizing, you're not going to be shying away from them. But as far as being like them or wanting to be like them, God has put that wall up for us. So I want to give some ideas that are very, very characteristic to us as Baptists. And, and maybe maybe not all Baptists. And I'm probably not going to hit on all the areas that are characteristic to us. But I'm going to hit on the main ones that I can see. If you look at your in the Bible, we're going to look at some ideas that God does. The very first thing is we have the hope of a non-corrupt Bible. Well, that, if you, I was just mentioning, I think it was uh, Tila tonight, is the fact that if a, the authority gets undermined, then everything starts falling apart. Our Constitution <clears throat> is basically that the, the thing that holds our country together. We can't cross those boundaries. It takes, a, what is it, two-thirds states uh, in agreement to make a, either a change in the Constitution or an amendment of the Constitution. Man, that, that the idea of getting two-thirds of the states to go along with that is huge. They didn't intend for the Constitution to be changed. And and not that it's a, I wouldn't say it's a perfect document, but it's a it has weathered a lot of time. The same thing is true with our Bible. God, God gave us something that is pure, God gave us something that's unadulterated. And, and I don't know that the, the Spanish Bible is there yet, but I know it's 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 moving along in a direction I think is very positive. And and I believe at some point they're gonna have a Bible that they're gonna not going to be wondering about one word or this word, but they're going to have something they can really place their confidence in. And it may take, a, if, a, if, a, if the Lord tarries, it may take, a, I don't know how long, we got a Bible that was really solid in the sense that for the English-speaking people, but it took a little while. We ought to praise God that we have the ability to have that Bible. And I, and I hope that you stand for it, too. I was excited when my uh, my grandson went to a camp and some of the campers there weren't King James. And he and they asked him why. Well, he stood on the word of God. He stood on why we we're, why we're King James and why we're not NIV or I think it was e, ESV or whatever that thing is. Eagle Standard, Eagle, Eagle Standard. Yeah. Eagle did something to it, I think, but anyway, the idea that he was willing—he didn't wasn't afraid. He knew he knew enough about his Bible to know that what we had was an uncorrupted version of the Bible. And boy, that—I mean, these boys' memory. I, I promise you, if it, if they weren't King James, they wouldn't be memorizing the Bible. That's just the way it is. People that have these other Bibles don't memorize them. They don't. Why? Because they don't believe it's authority. They believe what? Well, you know, it, you might get a better better translation over in this Bible, over in that Bible, so really don't memorize it. It's not that important because you're kind of just going to have to come up with the answer on your own. Well, isn't that nice? You have a Bible. You don't have to come up with the answer on your own. You ought to be able to say, praise God. It's worth memorizing. It's worth studying. It's worth throwing your life into because it is uncorrupted. One of the things that God gives us is a a pure testimony. And that testimony is is reflecting of who Christ is. And When you think about a a testimony, the the very first thing that you always, I think I notice about people, is their words. I I really think about it. When you notice a way a person uh, is careful with their words, what they say, when they say it, how they say it, that's very important because that's really, that you think about the idea that we have a, a perfect word of God, that we're to be always ready to give an answer. That you and I are, if you think about it, I, when I read 1 John and, and, uh, or John 1 and it says where the word became flesh and dwelt among us, I honestly, in my mind and in my heart, Jesus is still manifesting himself in the flesh through you and me. And so if you and I are not careful with what we say or how we say it or when we say it, then you know it ought to be our 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 words ought to be, ought to be seasoned in such a way that say, wow, that, that person got a very very careful mannerism in the way they speak. And the Bible will back us up. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number four. <clears throat> when the Bible is very, 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 very clear about how important your words are. Ephesians chapter number four. Boys, know this verse. I told you I was going to take you there tonight. Verse number 29. It says what? Let no what? Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Not a little, none. <laughs> don't let any come out of there. And if one slips out, you say, oh, God, forgive me. I don't want to be like that. Because why? You're ruining the testimony of who God is and who Christ is. I honestly believe when the Bible says that one of the commandments, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, I think secondarily is it that you would actually speak in a cursing way about Jesus or God. I think primary to that is that you misrepresent Christ in what you say or what you do. That's taking his name in vain. I don't know whether it used to be. I, I can remember that. My, I think it was my mom. I don't think it was my dad. I think my mom. I can remember her saying, it's a teestals don't act like that. We well, you never did do that to you, did I? <laughs> these, don't, these don't act like that. My mom was always very conscious of what other people thought of us little rugrats. There's eight of us. Boy, if we'd, be, if we'd get out a little bit of line, I'd kind of know when I'd do something. Well, I was kind of looking out of the corner of my mind to see if mom saw me do that. Well, you know what? God is watching you as well. When the Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ, what we say is very important. How many of you have had your children emulate something you said and you weren't too proud of it, right? Whoa, (laughs) I know where that came from. (laughs) Well, where'd they learn that? I know where they learned it. Well, you know, be careful with that. No corrupt communication. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be nam- once named among you has become a saint. The idea of covetousness is that sometimes there's a verbal yearning for something. Oh, well, I wish I had that. Well, I wish, I wish, you know, you know, when you wish something that you don't have, you know, that, that's wrong. You, you need to say, well, you know, if the Lord wants me to have something like that, fine, If not fine too. it. I'd be satisfied. Remember, did, did the Israelites get in trouble for complaining? Did they? Remember the Israelites? They murmured against Moses, but who was it really against? Huh? God. God was offended by that. It's like, well, I guess you're not taking care of us, God. You're not providing us what we need when we need it. Verse number four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting Which is not convenient. What's it say we should say? But rather what? Giving thanks. Thank thank you Lord. Isn't that nice to hear? Isn't it nice to hear when Brookie says thank you. Grandpa. Or Chloe. Right? Isn't it nice to hear him say that? What's verse 5 say Chloe? You know what verse 5 says? Can you read that? What's verse 5 say? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Brookie, you better be ready. I'm going to be asking you next. You better have your Bible open. This is a Bible church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 5. What's it say? Important verse. What did the Bible say? It says, for this you know. Do you? For this you know. That no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is by the way is what? What is a covetous person? Idolater. Not satisfied with what you have. That's basically what it is. You're not quite happy with what you have. You know, you think about it. the Bible says be content. Didn't Jesus, when when the, when the soldiers came to Jesus, he said, well, what should we do? Or was it John? You remember, John, or, or Jesus won, the soldiers came. He said, what, what should we do? And they said, be content with your wages. Soldiers would complain, hey, we're not getting paid enough for what we're doing. I know none of you guys do that, right? Yeah, right? No, we don't do that, do we? Be content. You don't want to be an idolater. And all comes out of our mouth. That's our testimony. Why they never complain how much they make, or what they have, or what they don't have. Psalm five. Psalm five. Rookie, you ready? you ready? You weren't ready? You gotta be ready. That's what the Bible's what you got you here for. You're listening. Psalm chapter number 5, look in verse number 9. Psalm chapter 5, verse number 9. Maybe I ought to do that to everybody here. I'll just keep everybody on toes tonight. What's it say? Brooklyn, can you read that? sepulchre. All right. Where have we heard that before in the New Testament? It's up on the board here, so you can cheat. Where's it at? Same words, almost. Romans 3. Romans chapter 3, probably in, in Matthew 12 as well. I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to belabor this too much longer, but I I, understand, I want you to understand Jesus says, Oh, generation of vipers, in Matthew 12, 34, how can you, <clears throat> being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Yeah. It means if you ain't got the right things in, this, in your own heart, then the right wrong things are going to... A good, out of, good man out of the tra- good treasure of heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of heart Bring it forth evil for him. Is the, our words a testimony? Bottom line. So if you're careless, little thing. You, I didn't cuss. You complained, right? You murmured. Is that evil? It's wrong. You say, God, please forgive me. I, I'm going to just be happy. You know what? You're going to be happy if you don't complain. You're going to say, God doesn't want me to complain. This is something God has provided for me. So our words are our testimony that we get from our uncorrupt Bibles. What else? Our dress. Oh, Pastor, you would have to go there, wouldn't you? You mean Christians dress differently? Now, most of, often you're going to see this with the ladies. But you, if you take the, the very first one in 1 Timothy, it says in, in like manner also in chapter 2 and verse 9 of 1 Timothy. And I think it's good to go there because I, you, when you read the first, we pass over those verses very quickly and we don't recognize in a like manner also who is he referring in the verse before? Men. That means there needs to be a godliness about men. He says that in, in, a, in the, not the same manner as the woman but in a like manner, the same way you can demonstrate a, a godly outward appearance for a man... Is a little different than what it is for a woman. But look what it says as you read this with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says, well, we ought to start in verse 1. That would be the only way to get a fair uh, understanding of it. He says, I exhort therefore, and this is 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, I exhort therefore, that first of all, supplication and prayers and intercession and the giving of thanks be made for all men. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? That means we've got to be busy about praying, don't we? And thanking God for people that God's put in our life. Intercession, supplication, and the giving of thanks. Well, thank people that God's put in our life. Thank God for your for your kids. Thank God for your, the people in your church. Thank God for your boss sometimes. Sometimes if we're more thankful for people, even if they're kind of armory, it kind of helps the Lord kind of work in our lives and their lives too. So it says, <clears throat> For kings and all that are in authority. Oh, ah, well, you mean we've got to pray for our president? According to this verse. That means it's talking about. Remember that it says in like manner, uh, the women also adorn themselves. So men adorn themselves by a godly outward manifestation of the Lord in praying, praying for those that are uh, in their lives, being thankful for kings, and and, and uh, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is he saying? He said, listen, our, our testimony and effort and prayer is probably going to lead to the salvation of souls. So when we get down to verse number 8, it says, I will therefore men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now it says in verse 9, In like manner also, the women adorn themselves. Modest apparel with shamefacedness. Now there's a King James word. I hate to guess how the other translations do it. But that's just the idea of modest, just a modest spirit. Just a, not a, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. no. You know, sometimes women just get out of control. Debbie, you know, just get out of control. Shamefaced. No, what well, are you laughing at, Juanita? I know that never happens in the Garcia house. And then, no, it never happened. No, it do not happen in, in uh, Montarosa house either, I'm sure. Shamefacedness, and listen, we just got to keep this thing under the wraps, you know. Not let our sometimes true feelings come out and just. Right? What are you laughing about? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I can see true feelings are coming out as we speak. All right. So, shamefaced bashfulness or excess of modesty, it just means that you're, you have a humble spirit and a submissive spirit, you know, willing to take the leadership responsibility that your husband gives. Sometimes that's not too easy, and I'd be the first to say it. Proverbs chapter number seven, if you will. We're going to look at that one for just a little bit. All right. Do we have a. Tilly, you have some readers down there that want to read for me? Proverbs chapter seven, verse number 10. Who wants to read? Psalms, Proverbs. Chapter 7, verse number 10. Whoever gets there, stand up and read it. Nice and loud. Thank you. All right. Why would I pick a verse out like that for this? Attire. So what we say, what we wear, describes who we are, right? So what what kind of description do you want to have? Ladies, men as well. What is your testimony? Do you want it to be? You want to be shamefacedness, the idea, or men, that you're a praying man, that you're praying for our president, you're praying for uh, those in authority, you're a thankful individual. That's our outward appearance. It's what people see as our testimony. You want to write the rest of those verses down? You can. We're not going to go through all of them. Very important. Remember, what are we after? We're after a pure testimony. We're wanting God to be able to say, "This is one of my ambassadors." And when you speak, or when you say something, maybe not even regard a, a spiritual matter, they're going to know that person is a godly person. You know what? When, there's not a lot of that going on around now. People that there's, you know, people respect that, whether they like it or not, they respect it. And if you take a take the opportunity, you may be an influence. In our world, that way, music. Well, this one gets out of control. We try to listen sometimes to little videos for the kids. And wow, I had I had the uh, twins down there rocking out the other day. you had something on, and it just came on for a second. in there, <laughs> huh? You got kids want to do that too, didn't you? Huh? Did you want to shake it? That's not right. Our music defines who we are. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, the Bible speaks so to it. Speaking to yourselves in what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay? If you can't make out what the person's saying, that's not a spiritual song. How many agree with that? If your body's moving, but your brain ain't, isn't, Ain't. Your, your brain isn't then. There's a problem with that. Making melody in your hearts to the Lord. It ought to do that. Any kind of music that's that's right with God is going to it's going to honor God. It's going to glorify God. In Colossians chapter three and verse sixteen. If you want to trip over there, if you're if you're marking your Bibles, put a little M by that. That way you'll know that has something to do with music. Colossians chapter three and verse sixteen. Who's my reader down there? Ready? Go. Ooh, grace in your hearts. Don't you like that? Unto the Lord. Something that's really got you going in a spiritual manner. James chapter 5 and verse 13. I have another reader. James chapter number 5, verse number 13. What's the Bible say? James chapter 5, verse number 13. Great job thank you very much so if you got some issues going on in your life it says afflicted let him do what pray Zinny Mary let him do what sing songs all right so there is a standard of what God intends and it all really has to do with that one of the things that you might I'm just going to read these I don't you don't you can try to get there if you want you can write them down the psalmist and in in, in uh, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, Sing unto him, sing unto him songs, unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Psalm 95, verse 2, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. How many times have we heard that word psalms in here? Psalm 105, verse 2, Sing unto him and s- sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. It means you better know what's being said. Otherwise, it's not of God. One of the things you might want to do a study on. I've done this. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5. Compare that to 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 15. How many know what went on in 2nd Samuel chapter 6, verse 5? It was the Ark of the Covenant David was dealing with it. Does that help you out? 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5. I think we've got time tonight to look at it. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number 5. I believe, and I I won't be dogmatic on it, but I believe when I read this, I think God wasn't very happy with David in more than one way. If David didn't take time to find out the right way to do what? What was David doing wrong? Chapter 6. He was moving the ark. What did he do wrong? Anybody know that? We obviously know that he was doing something wrong. What happened? Yeah, he loaded it up on a cart. Make it a little easier, you know. You know, a nice cart. You know, we can just kind of watch it. What did God do? notice the instruments that they're using in verse number 5 and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of wood, even of, on harps and on psalteries and timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals now he gets a second chance to take care of this in verse 15 notice what they're playing on verse 15 what are they playing Trumpet. That's all. There's nothing else being played. Not all manner. I think David kind of pulled back and said, no, wait a minute. Maybe we better take a second look at that. Maybe he went back. I, I'm not dogmatic. I, I've done a little bit of study, but I haven't found out if there was other instruments being played. I honestly think that trumpet was being played being announced. Hey, we got the, we got the, the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant coming through. Stand up. Pay attention like we do with the Word of God. You know, we give honor to that. And I believe it's we just don't honor it with just any, any old manner. I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to be dogmatic on that. You can do your own study on it. But I do think it's important. Not only are our pure testimony of words and dress and music, but what's the next one? Our children. Baptists and Bible believers believe there's a standard for training up our children in the way they should go. The Bible's clear on that. And if you're trying to do it on your own and you're not, you're not using the resource of God's Word. Let me tell you, you're undermining God's testimony. How many times do people look at your kids and the way they're behaving? Huh? They say, "Wow, you, your kids really, <laughs> man, they're behaving." I mean, they, I mean, they're kids and they do some things that are probably kid. But for the most part, when you tell them to do something, they do what? Your daddy tells you to do something, what should you do? And what should you say? Yes, sir. And if he tells you that you're not to do something, what do you say? No, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Right away, sir. There ought to be some respect for that authority. It ought to be shown up in our children. I I I get in trouble. I call I, people that are younger than me, my boss or something I used to work with, and I'd say, yes, sir. <laughs> you don't have to call me sir. <laughs> I said, no, I, I've been trained and taught. That's what's right. You kids, when your mom and dad puts a standard of righteousness on training you, they're showing you how to live and how to walk, how to think, how to talk. Proverbs twenty-two six. who can say it out loud without even oh. What is Proverbs 22:6? 6? Yeah. He will not depart from it. If there's some naysayers out there telling you that, yeah, they may go bad and come back, they're lying. That's not what that Bible says. You train them up the way they should go. When they're old, they're going to continue on with what they've been showed. They don't want to do that. They see the difference. I tell you what, kids that's been raised right, they look at what the world doing They say, I don't want none of to do with that. I don't want to, I don't want my life to be messed up like that. We look in Genesis chapter 18, if you will. I'm going to read it. Verse number 19. For I know him. This is God speaking. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which is spoken of him. So God's looking at you. Saying, I wonder if I can really use you. Right? Or is this just particular to Abraham? I believe it's for every person. How many of you think God wants you to pass on a godly heritage? I know he does. I've often I've I've heard of of more than once where a a godly man, there is a lineage of preachers (laughs) come out of that family. His father, his father's father, his father's father, they were all preachers. I don't mean you have to be a preacher, but the fact that they passed it on something, a godly seed. I don't take time tonight. You go to the book of Malachi, chapter 2, you'll see that the priests were expected to do that. They were to be the example of doing that. Yeah, God says, because you've messed up, I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna show you just how displeased I am with the way you've had. Deuteronomy chapter four verse nine. Only take heed to thyself and keep the soul diligently, lest thou, thou forget the things with thine eyes have seen, lest thou depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and to thy what? Sons, sons. I'm working on the daughter, daughters, the sons, daughters. That's what I'm working on. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 7. You can get there. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. How many of you think we need to pass on a godly seed according to the Bible? Uh, that's, That's biblical. That's what that what distinguishes Christians from anybody else. When you can see them, I, I like them. They're kind of like when you get when you got a godly seed, you see them going through the store and they're kind of like little ducks. You know, they're going right behind mom and dad, you know. They're all just kind of prim and proper, you know, kind of doing their thing. They've had the warning before they went in, you touch anything. <laughs> they have been straightly threatened. Right? Psalm 78, verse 3, if you can get there, I'm going to read it. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Isn't that nice? How many remember the Ricabites? Remember the Ricabites? What, what did their father teach them? You know it. What did the Rechabites, what were they taught? Huh? Not to drink any wine. Not any strong drink. great. No, no. Did God honor that? Yes. You read it. I love that verse. You yeah. know? God used them as an illustration. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if God had just used you as an illustration? Yeah. That's Sam, he passed it on to his kids. His kids' kids. I wish I had my mouth We'll get there maybe. Okay. Alright, hang on. There we go. Verse number four. <clears throat> Our fathers have told us, verse three, and we will not hide him from their children, showing unto the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Verse number five. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, and they should make them known to their children. And verse number six: that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should be uh, arise and declare them to their children. Wow. Rookie, you gonna have kids? What do you think? You gonna have some kids? But God plans for you to pass it on, right? According to the Bible. All right. I'm not going to go any farther. I think you got it. What else? So we got words. We got dress. We got music. We got our children. Our activities. When I was in training, we had activity time. Even adults need activity time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. You can write the rest of these verses down. For the sake of time, I'm probably not going to spend on that. Well, maybe we will. They're only short verses. Maybe somebody look up those other verses. Guys, you want to look up those other verses back here and read them? If you can't read them from where you're at, it's uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. The last one is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. So why don't you pick one a piece? All right. Jelly, you want to read uh, the first one? Colossians 3 17. David, you feel comfortable reading verse uh, 23? If you don't, um, what else we got? And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Claudia, can you read that one? Alright, here we go. I'm going to read the first one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether for you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all what? Glory God. That means any activities that we have better be God-honoring. Right? We sit down and we watch a movie. Boy, be careful. I'll be honest with you. There's just not a lot of movies out there to watch. Man, if you've got a, bleep, a 20 minutes out of a movie, you shouldn't be watching. It's not right shouldn't be watching it. It's it's just content. It's just ungodly. And the people that wrote it's ungodly. And they've got an ungodly end. All right, read the other ones for me, if you will. Who's got Colossians chapter 3, verse 17? Go ahead. Great job, great job. So it's basically you whatever you do, you're putting God the stamp of approval from God. This is okay. You're telling your kids, listen, whatever you do with your kids, you're saying this is God's okay with this. If you if it's God's not okay with that, then you shouldn't be doing it. How many of you question whether going to a baseball game may not be the will of God? How many been like that? Why tell me why you're a little uncomfortable with it? Yeah a lot of, lot of junk going on yeah you know, just stuff that I, I I would I would feel uncomfortable you, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a baseball game but I tell you what when I when I can get this wave of of booze I mean how many know what I'm talking about just a wave of beer comes across that's you, know, I, you really don't want your kids to be in part of that environment who's got the next verse I think it's verse 23 is it Got another 23. Colossians chapter we read 17 now 23. Anybody at all? All right. So everything you do, God wants to be a part of it. Somebody put you got that last one, Marmy, First Peter chapter four, verse eleven. Okay. Everybody hear that soft voice? Great. All right. Last one, I believe, our fidelity. Fidelity is another word for faithfulness, but faithfulness is a key element of what Christians do. Notice we're few in number tonight. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness means that you know what God's will is and you're just going to do what God wants you to do. You're consistent with it. You're consistent in your marriage. You're consistent in raising your kids. You're consistent in giving. You're consistent in being the neighbor you need to be. You're just very faithful in those areas. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number nine. Harold, do you want to read that one? So who is faithful? Who's the one that stands out? God is faithful. Are we to be like him? Yeah. He's faithful. Aren't you glad God's faithful? Aren't you glad that you can just go to him anytime with anything? And you know he's consistent with what he said and he word? He don't get in a moody uh, fit with you. He's faithful. He don't get tired of you. You know where he's going to draw the line. You know what what he expects from you. Debbie, you want to read Psalm 106, verse 5? And then I need Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. You ready, uh, Chloe? Can you read that one? Hopefully I haven't got a whole bunch of hard words in it. Eleven, thirteen. 13. I don't have these up on the board. I have them here, but I don't have them up on the board. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. And then Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20. Who wants to read? Oh, these are verses If you. Okay. Brookie, you reading for me? Proverbs 28 20. And then, Phila, if you got one of your youngsters who want to read 25 21 and 23, and another one can read 23. 25 23, that's Matthew. 25 21 and 25 23. Matthew. You got Matthew. Uh, we're gonna have, I know that's not fair for everybody to be able to reach down the same verses, but all right, who's got who's got the first one? Chloe, you got one old, which one did she have? Debbie, go. One hundred and one verse six. Isn't that nice? How important is that faithfulness to God? He says, my eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. So you're consistent as a parent. You're consistent as a church member. You're consistent as a husband or as a wife. You're consistent as a young person. God's eyes upon you and says, you know what? You're trying to do your best. I appreciate that. All right. Chloe, are you Next. Verse 13, 11, 13. That's a tail bearer. Revealeth. Concealeth. Good. So, a tale will reveal his secrets, but he is faithful of spirit. And you know that basically you just knowing to shut your mouth, right? Really, that's what all it means. There's times you just need to keep your mouth shut. Some things you just don't need to talk about, right? How I many you know there's things go on you don't need to talk about those in your family? Just don't talk about. It. I, I just I remember uh, Brother Hoover. I think I've heard it said this before, but it stuck stuck with me. When his, older, when his son said he didn't know there was any problems in the church, when he was growing up, he just thought everything was hunky-dory. And his dad and they went through it. You know what it is? Problems always going on in church. But he said he never knew it because his dad never talked about it, and in front of his family. You know that was an encouragement to him. All right, ready, bro? Twenty-eight twenty, I believe. So what what does a faithful man man abound with? What's he abound with, Brookie? A faithful man, what does he abound with? What did you read? Faithful man abounds. You read it. What did you say? Faithful man shall abound with blessings. Blessings. What are blessings? What are blessings? God working in your life. All right, ready, kids? Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one. Ooh. Isn't that nice? Ooh. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a nice promise? Twenty-three. All right, one that I want us all to look at it together Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. This is a big deal in our day and age. Maybe it's always been in every age, but it's certainly in ours. Very, very important how we handle our money. Faithfulness in money handling, God looks at that and says, you know what? I'm watching you how you do that. Luke chapter 16, verse number 11. Let's say it together. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Is that a big deal? What does that mean? Exactly. Exactly. You've got to be a good steward of what God gives you. How many think Christians have abused this? Oh, my goodness. Shame on us. All right, folks, that's it. So we have what? Testimony of what? What's the first one? Words. What's the second one? Dress. What's the third one? Music. What's the fourth one? Fifth one? And the last one? Fidelity or faithfulness; these are hallmarks of who we are. It's who we are, and if you're not, and, and that's under attack as we speak. That's under attack, and I I pray that you understand that power of a changed life does what? Your life's been changed. What's the possibility? If your life has been changed, what's the possibility out there? your life is going to affect other people. You have the ability to change other lives. Christ is working in a very intimate way in your life. You're paying attention to detail. You're not letting anything get by. Say, no, this is not a little deal. This is a big deal. It can be as small, listen to me, it can be as small as taking care of your clothes. Is that faithfulness? Is that a detail? Or as large as their bank account. Everything in between. All right. I'm done. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Harold, you want to close for us, please? How many know that you'll be criticized if you hold to these standards? You will be criticized. Do you think you're a goody two-shoes or something? All right, let's, you're dismissed.